But I think it would be Speak more entertaining episode if we were doing it with horses. Like, like you were on horses. If and we doing were on horses and doing a podcast, that would be mm. epic. Welcome back, everyone, to the Chip Lunch Podcast. It's been so a while. Offended. And, you know, it's good to be back in the saddle. Yes, it is good. It's good to be back. Back in the saddle. <laughs> Just imagine us riding horses. I, <laughs> I think that would be a more... And, like, this is going to be an entertaining episode, not because of us. Um, but I think it would be Speak more entertaining episode if we were doing it with horses. Like, like you were on horses If and we were on horses and doing a podcast, that would be mm, epic. That's a good idea. Like little lapel mics... Right, I reckon we can arrange that at some point. We've done, we've done, a bit noisy, we've done church in a car. We could do church on a horse, surely. Yeah, I want to do a podcast in a car too. It was, it's very fun. But yeah, you did, you did do church in the car. We've done a podcast fun. in the car. Have we? Yeah. I'm trying to. Remember. Oh yeah, yeah the we week away one. The of week away. Yeah, yeah, we've done that. Anyway, yeah. let's stop talking about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Rob, good day. Welcome. Thank you. And we should say it's Rob from Miranda Congregational Church. That's great. You, you are Ooh. the first guest to come on. This podcast from MCC. Oh, that's exciting! It's yes, very exciting. it's very exciting. Thank you for coming on. Good to have yeah. you. Yeah, you've just told me that you've been working out and at the beach, and then you just had a bacon egg roll just before. And I slipped another black coffee in as well. Oh, did you? Whilst you were setting up. What kind of uh, workout are you doing when you're down uh, at the we beach? We call it dirt gym. Dirt gym. <laughs> okay. So we used to we used to train inside North Granola Surf Club, and oh, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed. But it's kind of being rebuilt at the They're moment. They're redeveloping that, aren't they? Yes. And the builder's gone broke, so it could be that way for a bit longer. Oh, dear. Oh, that's, okay. that's the rumour. I don't, I can't confirm oh. that, but that's mm-hmm. the rumour. Oh, Certain okay. work seems to have stopped. Okay. But when COVID hit, the, all the gyms shut, so we just moved our little crew out into the park, mm-hmm. and it became Dirt Gym. So that's we're awesome. still going with Dirt Gym, which we do Tuesday to Saturday. Nice. All through the year, and uh, then jump in the ocean for a cool off, and then have a coffee and a chat, and then go to work great way to start uh, the day a swim after workout is excellent yeah at the beach especially the body temperature down yeah, very quickly that's right yeah it's really good uh what, what does a dirt gym involve are you just rubbing dirt on yourself and then <laughs> playing really <laughs> loud music around. Around. We, we have a, a trophy that goes to the trainer of the year that actually has dirt from the dirt gym in it <laughs> nice. and sealed up with wax excellent so that's as far as the dirt gets involved in the workout but mm. Uh, one of the guys just has a, a boot full of, you know, weights and bands and you name it and ropes that we hang from the trees. And yeah. we just set up a circuit in the park, do the circuit, run around the surf club, do another circuit, do a bit of gut work, squat while we count 20 pa- cars go past. <laughs> okay. we, don't, we don't have a clock, so we need a counter. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some mornings, some mornings in the middle of winter, that There's not many cars, cars <laughs> can take quite a while. So <laughs> our quads get stronger through the winter and weaker through the summer because of the traffic, basically. That's so good. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's, that's that. the workout. That's, oh, that's really cool. What a great way to start the day. It yeah. is good. Yep. I'm impressed. That's very cool. Uh, as we said, you're the first person to come on from MCC. Thank you again. Uh, any uh, misgivings before coming on? You said that you listened to a couple of episodes. I've listened to quite a few. Yeah, I've been uh, investing a lot of time understanding Soul Revival and how they do things and mm-hmm. uh, how you're trying to be culturally relevant and create cultural artifacts yes and, um, you've listened, been listening to the shockers yeah, so, over as well so Stu and you guys talk about um all age all stage mm. all cultures all places or something well, sharing Spaces. the sharing the truth of yeah. love of jesus culture uh was is, what's the first one age to age i don't know generation to generation generation culture that's to culture. all age, yeah. place, place to place, place. 
I feel like and the space, space to space, space. and there's, there's one in in there as well. I'm sure so now we've one. condensed that into sharing the truth and love of Jesus Every, everywhere, everyone, everywhere, everywhere. everyone, everywhere. Yeah. Yep. And so you've moved that philosophy into the digital world mm. as well with this stuff. Yeah, you're the digital pastor, I believe. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Which is, you know, the first time I'd heard of one of them. So like, yeah, mm, me yeah, too. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's quite weird, but you know, it seems to be working. Yeah, yeah. It, seems, it seems to be going okay yeah. at the moment. Well, uh, yep. hopefully we can continue to expand to the yeah. digital ministry. That's that's our plan. Yep. But yeah. So, yep. Been uh, watching a few mm. and getting the feel for what you do. Can I uh, can I ask? Did you, is there any one episode that you really liked? Mm-hmm. Give someone a uh, shout out. Yeah. The one I really want to see, but I haven't found yet because I'm mainly looking on Spotify when I'm just about to jump on my motorbike. So what will I listen to? Yep. Is um, Lou Crawshaw because I think she's such a fascinating lady, but I haven't heard it yet. It's a very it's, good, it's a good episode. It's hear. a good episode. So that was yeah. yeah, that was episode 100. Episode 100. Okay. If I'll you look go back and find that. That'll and help. the longest one we ever did. Yes, okay. as well. <laughs> yeah. The long bike ride. Yeah, you must be going along. Yeah, uh, need to go up to the central coast. Uh, well, I go up to North Sydney and back. Oh, um, that'd do. Okay, yeah, in Sydney. So Perfect. that's about forty minutes each way. Yeah. Oh, well, you need a bit more time. It's yeah, yeah. over two hours, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, so, still, yeah, I think I'm a, sure you'll good episode. I'm sure you get it done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it was a very good episode. A great episode. Mm. Yeah, mm. enjoyed it a lot. Uh, is there any updates before we get into the podcast? 2024, is it new new year, new Ethan, or is it same old, same old? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to, you're probably going to see a lot, little bit less of me on the podcast because uh, mm. I'm going to more college you this are. year, which means my schedules are a little bit different. Um, I won't necessarily line up, but that's really exciting. Uh, I'm really pumped to have a bit of a change and to learn something new and um, broaden my understanding of the Bible and, and, um, and all the other things that come with that. And yeah, so that's really exciting. But that's yeah, new year, new me. Yeah, but it's a big change for yeah. you. Yeah, I start tomorrow. Do you? Yeah, go into a welcome day tomorrow, oh. and then next week's orientation week, and then the week after that is orientation slash Greek week. So we're um, <laughs> orientation. Well, slash it's like two Greek weeks week. of orientation week, and one of those orientation weeks is a so Greek week. Do the do one week in English, and the next week's all Greek? Yeah, pretty so much. You pretty much. Understand what they're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard it? Is that how they do it? <laughs> I don't know the the um. It's good. <laughs> and then you have yeah, Euros. I got asked to do, I got asked to like do some pre, pre-reading for this Greek thing. And they were like, you need to learn the alphabet. And I'm like, awesome. I'll, I'll, they send this video through that teaches you the alphabet. And I'm like, sick, I can do that. And I'm listening to this video and she's just speaking in Greek. And so I actually have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, I can't learn the alphabet if it's all in Greek. Like, I need to know the equivalent yes, yeah, English give me, letter. Give me a step at a time. Like I can see it on the screen. Just tell me what it means. And yeah, so... So already the, the the YouTube videos are a bit complex, so we'll see how we go, shall we? No, it'll be it'll be there'll be updates as as the year goes. Yeah, on. I look forward to hearing your travails. Yeah. of studying the Bible at yeah. Moore College. Very exciting. Mm, very cool. All right, cool. Let's get started. Yep. Um, Rob, first question, as always, is how do you like to eat your hot chips? So. I've been around a while and I used to eat a lot of hot chips, but I now try and avoid hot chips Okay. because I've reached that stage of life where your metabolism changes. <laughs> so how do I like my hot chips? I like it when I don't order them and when none of my family orders them because then I'll eat them. <laughs> but um, the last time I would regularly buy hot chips is uh, when the kids were, I guess, at primary school mm-hmm. and we would always finish church here in the morning and mm-hmm. then uh, go to a little fish shop that used to be in Janali and buy... Uh, fish and chips and salad mm-hmm. um, and it was either salt or salt and vinegar and salt is that plain plain salt plain salt yes yep. yes yep. man after joel's heart yeah. actually did you do vinegar 
Like, no, I've never you? done vinegar. I mean, like, I've had salt and vinegar crisps, but I've never mm. had it's hot chips. With it's pretty nice. It's very English. Yes. It is very yeah. English. It's yeah. very English. The kids didn't like it much. So yeah, no, I... Mainly yeah. just salt. Yeah, yeah. 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 You again, yeah. can't mess with the classics. Yep. Chicken, what, you, what, what's your opinion on chicken salt, Rob? Um, I don't mind it, and I, I had a phase where we were into the chicken salt, but I find if you go to, you know, all the beer barns with all the, you know, the feral stuff and all the food, <laughs> the, the, the chips they serve you... They don't seem to be sprinkled with chicken salt. It's kind of like they've got this process that makes it stick all over the chip. Mm-hmm. It's too much. I'm with you. Too Fair much. Enough. So Fair enough. Chicken salt in moderation is all right, mm-hmm. but more often than not when you get Ferros chips or something like that, they're, they're just coated with chicken salt and it's too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug this at any opportunity, but I've, I've gone from chicken salt to whatever this MSG goodness that I found is um, <laughs> across across the road from Moraine Congregational. There is a mm. chicken chicken and chip shop called Char Grill Chickies. I think it's called Chicky something. Chicky Chicky something. Yeah, something yeah. Like that. it's always and funny the names of Char Grill yeah, chicken shops. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, keep yeah. going. But they they make their own chicken salt, and I'm pretty sure they just cover it like they just it's chicken salt and a lot of MSG, and then they cover the like fries. They're like they're not like thick chips. They're like fries, and you cover them. Oh my goodness world changed and That's what do you drink with that to wash the salt down? oh you you, <laughs> you drown a, in water because it's you need a pellet ridiculous. cleanser you do after that you i mean do. i've had a couple they're so good i don't know I, don't, so I just good. don't like them as much as you, they're you so do. good but you don't like chicken salt at all okay so i found out i found Flavors, out my flavor town i found out my dislike of chicken salt is hereditary oh my dad hates it even more than i do there you go and he found that out a few weeks ago but because i asked the question how do you like to eat your hot chips I was trying to plug the podcast mm. that I was hosting around this. We went away for, um, I went to Bali and was around the table with like my family and my dad and my sister and all that. And I, I asked, we went around the table, said, How do you like to eat your hot chips? And I got around to Danny's like, Never ever chicken salt. <laughs> like, amazing. Just, yeah. So I think it is hereditary. It's, well, it's it means as a kid, you never got to try it and start to like it. That might be a very good point. So it might that be is, environmental. That is, that is a good point. Because I feel Na- yeah, nature nurture to, right there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I don't know if I've found out about chicken salt until maybe late primary school, early high school. And that uh, probably probably too late by then. Yeah, if all your taste buds are fully developed, you're not changing. Yep. You're out of it. And another another thing, I don't like hot drinks because he doesn't like hot drinks. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, there you go. I sometimes have hot chocolate, but apart from that, I don't drink tea or coffee. Yep. So that might anyway. There you go. Wow. Taste buds are hereditary. Taste buds, hereditary. My there son would correct me on that. He says that your taste buds change every 10 to 15 days or something. So. <laughs> well, yeah. regenerate, but they might regenerate the same. Could be. Ah. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> Probably my favourite question that we ask on this podcast, Rob, is how did you become a Christian? So this was the question I gave a lot of thought to. That is the best one to pick. <laughs> I'm an engineer, right? Yep. And I'm, engineers like to be precise. And I actually reckon that I became a Christian the same way everybody else became a Christian. The real question you're asking is, what are the circumstances in your life that led you to understand that you needed to be saved? Mm -hmm. Which is the same question, right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think anyone gets saved in any different way. Mm. It's the circumstances that make them own it. Mm. So I'll answer that question if you like. Yeah, go ahead. Fire away. (laughs) Please do. Yeah, so I was uh, brought up in a typical... Australian home in the Shire. Um, no church exposure whatsoever. My father's quite a strong atheist. And uh, my mother, you know, they would have had some sort of church upbringing being born in the 30s, but they really didn't do anything with that. And uh, so I just grew up in an Aussie house. 
doing Aussie kid stuff. Um, I did start to go to a couple of youth groups when I was probably 13 or 14, just through some mates. Um, and I, I remember I used to go to a youth group in Sutherland at the church that's behind the entertainment centre. I don't know which one it is. And I probably went there for about six or eight months. And you had to go to the hall, do all the fun stuff, and then go and sit in the church and mm. do something. And despite spending every Friday night in there for probably eight or nine months, I couldn't remember a single thing about the inside of that church or anything said in that church. The only thing I can remember is there was a, a heater rail in the bottom of the pews. Yeah, really? That ran hot water through in winter. Oh. And you could melt your shoes on it. <laughs> melt your shoes on it? So, so I guess... That's not the circumstance that led me to understand that I needed to be saved. Yes, my f- to me, this is like hell. On <laughs> the, the, they were trying to give you a sense of what hell would be like with the, the well, burning your feet. I'm, I'm sure what was said was was perfectly fine, right? Yeah. But what what I think about that in hindsight is, unless the Holy Spirit is working, and it's the Holy Spirit that's calling you. You know, the the words of men are just words of men. It's the Holy Spirit that actually mm. brings you that conviction mm. and. I was my stage of life was not such that I could hear that conviction. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. but I was hanging around youth groups and I guess hearing stuff about about you know, Jesus and God and salvation and all that. But it was all just straight over my head. Didn't really pick it up at all. Um, and I was living what looked like a pretty good life, but I was actually, I think, probably heading to become a kleptomaniac. Mm. And I got busted big time. Uh, and pretty much expelled from school, almost. Really? And go and tell my family who had no idea. And it was the conviction of guilt, sin and shame and the opportunity for forgiveness, salvation and a fresh start that made me hear the gospel for the first time, despite probably having heard it many times over the previous 18 months. Yeah, wow. Really? That was the, the turning point in my life, basically, at about the age of 15. What was it about, um, if, you, if you can remember, uh, what was it in particular about this part of the gospel that, that moved you? Um, so, you know, guilt and shame is a pretty powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you're seeking to make uh, restitution and, well, and to seek forgiveness uh, from, you know, my parents in particular. And... Uh, but I was convicted about the, the saving grace of Jesus Christ that gives you a, a forgiveness that's even more powerful than that forgiveness mm. uh, and gives you the ability in the strength of the Holy Spirit to be able to say no to sin um, and to, to turn around from something that had been an emerging pattern of behaviour for probably um, you know, nine, ten years in my life, even at the age of 15, to be able to turn my back on that and start living differently. Uh, the, the attractiveness of the Christian message and the, the, the uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13b is a, is a verse that I picked up in that time, um, which has stayed with me, which was that you won't be tempted beyond your um, ability to withstand that temptation and that uh, the Holy Spirit will provide that strength to you. That was a verse that was very clear and speaking to me at that time which I've, I've hung on to from that time and mm. the good news is I haven't sinned since because of that verse <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe maybe not quite true but but I certainly lent heavily on that verse and that, that right. truth yeah I was just going to ask that if 
you said it was at 15. Was it after you said you'd been caught that you heard the gospel from someone and then you're like, oh, that's what I've been missing? Or you'd heard it at youth group and you're like, oh, that's what I should have paid attention um, to? I guess it's a bit hard to, to say in, in hindsight because I'd certainly been, I guess I'd been hearing it. Yeah. Mm. But I hadn't been, con- I don't think I'd been considering it. I don't remember considering it. Okay. Um, it was actually um, after, you know, being caught out and, and really descending into that guilt and shame that I, I watched that movie about a thief in the night. Is it? Was that the series? The movies. You guys are too, too young to know this. Not sure. So there was a, a a movie about the second coming, and it was called I think oh. a thief in the night. Oh, because because he will come in the, and like a thief yeah, in the yeah, night. Yeah, you yeah. It was like that that book that was out more recently where you wake up one morning and all Everyone's the Christians gone. are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was the conviction, the guilt and shame, and seeing that movie and understanding that, which those two things coming together, and I can't remember whether it was you know days, weeks, or months apart, but it certainly wasn't much more than that. Mm. I mean, it would have probably been weeks to months, and that was the conviction that led me to to pray the prayer for salvation. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell me what it's like? for you growing up in the Shire, like prior to that? Because I feel like the, sh- like yeah. the majority of people that listen to this podcast are probably from the Shire, only just because that's where we this are. is where Soul Revival started. Yeah. Um, and well, we've got plenty of our, our friends over in Riot as well. But yeah, I was just wondering, because I think it's probably quite different to what it was back then. Because I remember there's a story, someone told me, uh, someone at work who's a bit older and has lived in the Shire all their life, they said that the Kingsway was once just a single dirt, single lane dirt road. He must yeah. be quite old. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I'm not, not accusing you of being so, that old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> like, I can't even imagine that because I moved to the Shire when I was four, uh, and it was a two, you know, three lane yeah, road yeah. each way. Still is. So yeah. I'm, that my question is, just what was the Shire like growing up for you? I mean, you know, the busyness on the roads is a is a kind of measure, and yeah, um, you know, I had a you know a ten speed push bike, mm-hmm. and I'd ride it everywhere, mm-hmm. and I'd ride up and down the Kingsway and Preston Avenue without a care in the world. Now, maybe I've become old and conservative, but <laughs> you don't see 12, 13, 14-year-old kids doing that today. No. no. Well, you know, I'd ride from Kirawee to the Brick Pit, where, where I went to primary school there, oh, yeah. in the back of the high school. I'd ride up and down there every day from, the, from third grade. Mm. Um, so it's certainly, there's a lot more people, it's a lot busier, and um, yeah. But has the culture shifted significantly? Mm, it, it's it's shifted, but I think it's it's still that it's still got the the Shire unique characteristics. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so, did you go to Kirrawee High as well? I went to Kirrawee Primary and then Kirrawee High. Yeah, yes. oh, yeah. Yep. There's a lot of people Excellent. at, at Soul Revival have gone yeah. to Kirrawee High. We are. I was Kirrawee High. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't Kirrawee Primary. Braden was Kirrawee High. Braden yep. was Kirrawee High. Yep. <laughs> Just pointing to off screen. Off screen Teddy. to the guy in the background. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, and you said that you were on your way to being a kleptomaniac. Yes. Is that right? So yes. A kleptomaniac is someone that steals. Steals. Yes. Tell me why you're saying that you feel like you were on the way to becoming that. I think I was challenging myself to see what I could get away with. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, kids get to an age where they figure out their parents don't know everything hmm. and they can start telling lies. Um, and that's a natural part of 
development. At least I think it is. I do. Yeah, no, I don't know about you yeah. guys. <laughs> Checks out. Um, you know, <laughs> Checks I, out. I, you know, I know that I know when I started stealing. I was, I don't know, around five years old, wow. and we were we were playing shop at home. Oh, Mum had got all this stuff out and coins and all that. Yeah, and I kept some of the coins. I probably bought some lollies or something. I don't know mm. what. And uh, it's like that. I figured out I can lie. I figured out I can do this. Mm. And like any any sin, you can you can either keep descending into it or you can turn your back on it. It's very hard to stay level. I think with sin, mm. you know, we either get sucked into it or we we turn and repent and turn our back on it. Mm. And so that spiral of that just kept evolving, you know. Um, and that, you know, flogging money from my parents, but a lot of money and regularly, you know, for okay. a long time, right up until that point in time I'd been doing that. Yeah, wow. Um, I basically, and, you know, stuff from shops as well. And uh, I grew up down the back of Kiriwee High School and mm. the way I got caught was... Back then there was no fence, right? There's a fence now. Yep. We'd play mm. up there every afternoon. And mm. if you ever want to know how to get onto any of the roofs of any of the buildings or down into the buildings, come and see me. I know every, <laughs> way, I know every way into that school. And right. I, was, I was in the school flogging stuff from the school. Yeah, well, oh, okay. Um, not, not massive stuff, but just because I could. Mm. Yeah. And I got busted. Mm. And I'd been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Herndon, I think it was, deputy principal at the time, I'm in his office and, you know, packing darkies as a 15-year-old. <laughs> packing darkies is the funniest thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, wait, he, wait, he told wait, me to go. What, you don't know what that means? What does that mean? Like, um, so you're scared? Yeah. So you're packing darkies, meaning... Uh, Something appearing in your trousers. Oh, yeah. that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny ad. That's an old saying. Yeah. That's a great saying. <laughs> yeah. I love there's that. A, there's, a, there's a more coarse way of saying Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one I would have been more aware of, but that, back in darkies. Yeah, it's good. Wow. It's good. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sorry. So you, Sorry. Got, <laughs> you, you got caught by Mr. Hearn, packing yep. darkies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he told me I had to go home and tell my parents. Mm. Uh-huh. Whereas I think I would have preferred him to tell them. Yeah. But I think it was the right approach mm. to take. You know, if you're genuinely going to be repentant about it, then mm. you need to fess up to it. Take responsibility yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, I'm not condoning stealing stuff. Yes. But what do you reckon is the best thing you ever stole? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> what was your greatest triumph? <laughs> I think, I don't know, actually. It's, it's, I was more doing it because I could than... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the greatest triumph was being able to get in this. I mean, getting in the school and, and Nick and stuff was that yeah. was impressive, right? Yeah, okay. wow. yeah. yeah. And you'd, but um, another one I do remember, which and I, why do I remember? It's a good question. I don't know, but we we spent a year in the US when I was in sixth grade. So I was about twelve, mm-hmm. ten, eleven, twelve. I can't remember. And we used to walk, live, walk through the forest and go to this you know, shopping center of some sort. And uh, I don't remember. F- stealing much stuff when we were in the US, but I do remember stealing um, Hubba Bubba bubble gum oh, yeah. from this shop and uh, then back through the woods. And yeah, may- maybe that was the first time I lifted stuff from a shop, I don't know, mm. but I do remember that. Mm. Yeah. That sticks in the mind. Yeah, Hubba yeah. Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> But they're the bit, they're the like a big, they're the big, big chunky one. square yeah, ones, yeah. aren't yeah. they? I mean, this is going back to 76, so they may have changed since yeah. then. Yeah, but yeah, you know, Americans, 
Ben used to love blowing yeah. bubbles in bubble gum. Yeah. Yeah, and Hubba Bubba was like kind of known. That's the one you could use. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Why did you move to the US for you? My father was working at um, Australian Atomic Energy Commission out here at Lucas Heights back when it was AAEC, Mm -hmm. as it's now ANSTO, and wanting to work in nuclear power industry. Okay. And the plant that was going to be built at um, Jervis Bay got canned when the government changed. So, Mm -hmm. in order to follow that, career ambition it wasn't going to happen in australia so he got a job at uh, a power power and research reactor in new york state Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we moved there and the theory was try it for a year and if we like it we stay i'm very pleased Hmm. that he didn't like it because i look at america and go i'm glad i grew up here and i'm glad my kids are growing up here Mm -hmm. so we spent a year there and i did a year of a year of last year of primary school in the u.s there you go. Was that tough for moving? That's an interesting time to move as well, like the last year of primary school, or to do your last year of primary school there. Is that hard? I, I don't think so. I think it's only in hindsight that I realised we might have stayed there. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was a one-year adventure. I think yeah. that's probably the way my parents pitched it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was Yeah, it was a one-year adventure. I mean, you think, oh, yeah, see you later, friends. I'll see you when I get back, mm. rather than yeah, I'm right. picking my whole life up and got to make new friends yeah. so yeah. It, it was a it was a one-year adventure and it was fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, wow that's brilliant uh, we're in new york um so on long island oh yeah okay. so long island's quite long yeah it's in the name kind of <laughs> yeah and we were about two-thirds of the way out to the it's at the eastern end of long island so so manhattan new york across yeah. long island and then yeah. two-thirds of the way along yeah well. yeah and your dad wanted to work in nuclear power, is that right? Um, like, well, to understand more nuclear research than power. Yeah, yeah okay. And there was a big research reactor there as well. Okay. Um, yeah. But he didn't like the place, so we came back and he, when Fraser put all the knife through AAEC, he, was, uh, he transferred into CSIRO, which is what most of them did, mm-hmm. and yeah. worked in mineral engineering instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, so they were going to do a, a nuclear research place in no, Jarvis Bay? A, there, so... Have you been to Greenpatch? Yep. And then you keep driving to Jones's Beach? I think so, yep. Have you ever noticed how big the car park is for Jones's Beach? Pro- yes, I think that's I have. That's because that's the site that was cleared to build a nuclear power plant. Really? Huh. That's really? why they have such a On huge such car such a beautiful park. place. And that's why the road used to be a fantastic road as well. Yeah. yeah it's probably wow. deteriorated in the last 30 years. Possibly. But that's where the nuclear the power plant was going to go. Because all that yeah. land is, is federal. It's, yeah, it's federal land, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. there's a yeah. navy base there as well, yeah. right? So that's why that was the site. Hmm. I did not know that. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Wild. I'm, yeah. just th- I'm just thinking about it because I have. I'm pretty sure I have been there. Yeah. Because is is there a jetty there as well? It's been a long time since I've been there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I remember thinking, why is the car park so big here? Yep. That's, that's why. why. Yeah. There you go. Look at that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you went to the US. Yep. You came back. You talked about getting caught stealing stuff. Which led you to becoming a Christian? Yep. What was the next step after becoming a Christian? So you 15, became a Christian, stopped stealing stuff? Yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Cold turkey. <laughs> oh, there you go, yeah. cold turkey, right. You didn't feel tempted just to get one more in before? No. <laughs> okay. No. So did you end up, did you, just, did you think you needed to find a church or you, did you know friends who um, were Christians? So I was by that time coming to a youth group here. Already. Okay. Um, so... 
my current my current wife, my wife now. Mm. <laughs> I've only had one, so my <laughs> wife now and her sister, her sister and my sister were best friends. So through that friendship, I had started coming here. Yep. Um, so I was, you know, here on a. I mean, I might have been coming to the services as well. I don't actually recall whether I was or not, but I was certainly coming to probably a Friday night youth group and probably mm -hmm. the Sunday Christian Endeavour. If I wasn't, I certainly did start doing that. Mm. Yeah, and the evening service on a Sunday night. Yeah. Mm. Is that when MCC was over the, over the other yes, side, though? Yes, so we were up there until late 1990 or early 91 and then we came here so that was prior to the expansion of miranda fair is that yeah, right yeah yeah okay because yeah. i i remember talking to someone here that they miranda wanted to expand but then oh sorry miranda fair the like fair, westfield, westfield wanted yeah, to expand yeah. but then mcc were like well yeah but we need we need to know somewhere was our church is going to be and they basically did a full turnkey they built like westfield built the whole thing yeah so correct? i mean i I was around when it happened, but I wasn't involved in the transaction, shall we say, but <laughs> the, the deacons at the time struck a deal whereby they had to buy suitable um, property in Miranda, which mm -hmm. is, this, this property was three residential blocks, okay. and construct the building so that when we moved out, it was walk down, move in. I was ready to go when you yeah, moved out. Yeah, so yeah, wow. it, the deal was done, and I don't know whether it was two or three years later, we, we just walked down the road, basically. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. So it was, just for context, it was where it was in, like if you could, if you could right now yeah, go yeah. into a shop in yeah. Miranda. So you know where JB Hi-Fi is? Yeah. And whatever's on the right, which changes yeah, restaurants all and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. So it was that moment, corner. Okay. Yeah. So there was a car park on the corner. Yep. Which was the site of the church before the one that Westfield knocked over. Yep. So we had an old stone church there, which I've never seen to be fair. It would have been around in my lifetime, but I never saw but, it. Yeah. And then there was another building built mm -hmm. behind the car park on that boundary, kind of in JB Hi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And there were some halls up kind of where the escalators are. Awesome. Yeah. I'll try and, I'll try and remember to put a photo of JB Hi-Fi in the, in the yeah. video. So there's like... And I can show you context. pictures of the church. They're in the back of my... Oh, that'd photos. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Could you send some of those through? That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. They're not, they're not digital though, because they're from 1990. I'll take photos uh, of them. That's, yeah. right. that's great. We can put it up there somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was the like the early '90s expansion of Westfield. Yes, uh, right. Yep. Yeah. Because I remember that happening when I was young, early early high school. I think yeah. that's, that's when that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we moved here in 1990. So it was the expansion they were across already. I think. Yeah, right. yeah. They they expanded across Kiora Road. They actually built all the the bridge over Kiora Road. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, yeah. And dug yeah. the big hole for the cinemas down the bottom. And yeah, that's and right. All of that. Yeah. Okay. It's funny that they moved the cinemas again now when they did another expansion. I don't know what's in the hole now. Uh, it's a uh, time zone. Is it? Yeah. Time zone, and it used to be like a rock climbing place. It used to be like yeah. a trampoline. Oh, place. yeah. A flip out? Was it flip out? It, or was, a flip like it was something like that. Yeah, but I think it's just now time zone. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't feel like it takes up all that space, though. I think there's still a lot of empty space. Uh, I, I, there's also a gym down there, or there was a gym down there. Oh. So it's split in two. Yeah. So one side is time zone, one side is this massive gym. I just remember this, the cinemas is a large area. It's very mm -hmm. big. Mm. But just recalling memories. That's how the Shire's changed, guys. Biggest change in the Shire, Westfield. <laughs> and the Brick Pit. And the Brick Pit. Oh, Brick Pit. 830 residences on one side. Yeah, this guy lives in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not holding the ground anymore. Yeah. 
destroyed the Shire. That's it. What, so what happens next? Um, you become a Christian. Uh, the Shire slowly starts getting destroyed. Um, and as, you've, as you're watching the Shire get destroyed, you st- are you still, in, you're still in high school? Yeah, I'm still in high school. So I was in year 10, I guess. Yep. yep. And I finished my HSC at Kirawee. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst continuing to come here and then uh, went off to UNSW to do civil engineering. Mm-hmm. Went to uni and said, this is serious to myself. This is Robert talking to Robert. This in is the mirror, serious. Looking in the mirror. Yeah. No girls. Oh. oh. Get my degree. Ooh. Focus. No girls. Does that mean you were like a bit of a ladies man prior to that though? No, no. <laughs> okay. There'd been a couple, but let's, I wouldn't say I was a ladies man. But, but it was a deliberate yeah. conscious, yeah, conscious choice. choice. No, no girls. Yep. And uh, uni starts in February, and by the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> which is... That's really solid. Your current no wife? No girls. My current wife. My current wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble. He's <laughs> now my wife, and, and she was already here at this church. So yeah, okay. I didn't, Lovely. didn't um, catch a, a lady at uni. I, mm. uh, God I like to say the lady here caught me, but yeah. she'll dispute that. <laughs> oh. Why would she dispute that, though? Well, she probably thinks I, I chased her. Oh, but you don't think so? <laughs> I, I think there was a bit of two-way in it, <laughs> which is good because... I think that's good. I think otherwise, that's usually otherwise good thing, it could yeah. be futile, right? Exactly yeah, that's right. Or it could yeah. be... Right. It was oh, mutual. Whatever, let's give it a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh, all right, if, 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 if you want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll right, go. You bugged me yeah. enough, I'll, I'll go out with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it was like that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you... You said that your um, your mum and dad weren't heaps keen on church. How do they how are they going with you now oh, going to church pretty regularly? I don't I don't yeah you know, they weren't anti, mm. um, so there was no discouragement, but there'd certainly been no encouragement. Right. Yeah, you know, like it just wasn't a thing that I was aware of. Even you know, it was just it's like we were in our culture, and our culture was you know. Um, didn't involve Christianity mm. in our house. Mm. Did you ever have interesting discussions with them about it, or it was um, a bit? I don't. I can't say I can really recall them. I think. I think to this day, my father still finds it hard to understand that I could believe this. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we have a a little chat around that, which is a bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. For him and me, I think. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I wonder, and you, you will know this far better than me, but has he not seen the change in you, like, since, obviously, you were, like, stealing stuff and things like that, but he doesn't see that as being something interesting to talk about? I, I don't think, besides me going cap in hand and being given a stern talking to about it, I don't think it was a... I mean, the, it's funny because I don't think they were aware that I was doing it to start with and then it was there, you know, like a turd on the table between us mm. and then it was dealt with and then it didn't exist anymore. So right. yeah, even right. though it was something that, that I'd been aware of for a decade, mm. it was something that, to the best of my knowledge, they were not aware of mm. the fact that I'd been, you know, nicking 20 bucks out of the wallet and playing the pinnies up the road all the time and, mm. you know, st- stuff like that. Because to all extensive purposes, I was a good kid. That was, yeah. the, that was the hidden sin, right? Mm. That was the thing. 
the thing mm. that I was, as, was ashamed of in my life. Mm. But it was, you know, I didn't do it with other people. I just, it was just me, Robinson, oh, solo man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just doing my thing off to the side. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. So on reflection, I, it was dealt with and then we just moved back to what kind of life was like before. Mm. Which in one way is really good. That mm. it's, it's not like their love for you changed at all. But they were like, oh, no, this is resolved and mm. what's happened doesn't change how we feel about you, which is really yeah, lovely. I, I but then, don't think it did, no. Yeah, yeah. which is really yeah. – I think that's really cool. Yeah. Because you could – it could damage your relationship and it doesn't sound I'm like not, it did. I certainly – sense their disappointment yeah mm. right there was no yeah. doubt about that it wasn't yeah. like oh well you said you won't do it again don't worry that's okay mm. it wasn't like that there was disappointment yeah mm. of course yeah but you yeah. said you were playing the pin- pinnies yeah. Is, are they poker machines no pinball machines oh pinnies yeah the pinball I got, I got that one yeah, yeah, yeah. did you i got that one i know yeah. what pinball machines are but weren't we having discussion once that someone doesn't even know what a pinball machine is i don't know i don't me. know if it was with you ding 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 I like pinball Or maybe it was um, someone was doing a sermon. They said no one, no one knew what a like young people didn't know what a pinball machine Ooh, that's was. That's sad. wild. That is very sad. Pinball machines are great. They're I, so good. I, I really enjoy watching yeah. pinball. They're fantastic. Where I'm, very, I'm not very good at it. Where was your local haunt for pinball machines? Yeah. Um, so you know where Kiriwee High School is. Yeah. And then the Oval. Yeah. And then those shops. Was there? So are there shops there? there? Yeah. Are they still there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know if they are now. They, they were when I was at school, but little, I think they're now a apartments. little supermarkety place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then uh, the ones yeah, facing anymore. towards the bush down the hill, yeah. the end shop heading away from the school was a little pinball parlour for quite yeah, a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like it had a number of pinball machines yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, that's and, cool. You know, space that's great. table machines. And I love yeah. that. That's awesome. And, and I, I'm not sure. Maybe it did something else as well. Mm. But that's the thing I remember yeah. was in there. Yeah. What was yeah. your favourite machine to play on? Um, oh, dear, oh dear. Whichever one they had, basically, because they oh, turned okay. them over. But yeah. um, I think Playboy had lots of targets, and that was really good because I like hitting targets. Playboy. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you get all these modern two-storey ones mm. with flickers up the top. Yeah, it's they're all, hard. It's all a bit much for me. I'm yeah. just, yeah, just a bit simpler. Like to get it up the ramp to get up yeah, to the second yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, they're difficult. But lots of targets, and mm. I don't mind the top flickers if there's more targets up there, that's mm-hmm. good. Yep. But yeah, targets are my thing. Awesome. How good are the ones where you, not where you, you know when to launch the ball, you, you don't press the button, you've got to pull the, pull well, the thing. That's the only way, isn't it? No, I've, I've played ones where you press a button. Oh, and there is and the if you want the yeah. hard launch, you'd, you'd pull it back and get your thumb on it yeah. and give it a bit more go. <sighs> I see, I like these hot tips. That that's great. Yeah, right. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. I think I remember there was a set of shops near where I lived there wasn't a pinball machine, but there was a Street Fighter 2 machine, and yep. kids were always mm. playing that. And awesome. my mum and dad, my mum especially, wouldn't let me play it because it was, I was too oh, young, it was oh, too, oh, too violent. It was too fun. Yeah. And I can understand that, but it more just like, just thinking back, it's like the graphics must have been so bad compared to now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's a different machine, right? It is, like, it is. And it's a different kind of game. But yeah, that's a. We don't really do that anymore. We don't go to somewhere to play games. You just play them at home. Yeah. It's just an interesting... Yeah. That's some of the shyest change as well. Yeah, in saying I mean, that, yeah. time zone's up there. But people, yeah, but, but I don't find that that good. parties, don't they? They don't go there that's it. like I used to go up every afternoon. No, that is true. That's that's it. It. Like Tilt, you know, when Tilt was in that's Miranda Fair at Westfield? No, but yeah. It was like a huge arcade yeah. Oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, I do, so it's yeah. where Aldi and... Like in Miranda, what's the other one? Reject Shop, I think? Oh, yeah. That was all arcade place. Yeah, it yep. was unreal. There you go. So good. That's very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so uh, we, we, we got a bit sidetracked by pinballs. Which is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Pinnies. I shouldn't yeah, remember yeah. that now. Uh, you said that you met your current wife and started dating pretty quickly as you, as you started. Yeah. I'd known her for a few years. But Can yeah. we uh, ask her name? Uh, first Janelle, first yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Janelle, current wife. When did you guys end up getting married? We dated for six years. Okay. And mm-hmm. got married six months after that, so... Six years and six months. Is that because you did you want to finish uni first? Um, that was have a job. The primary probably reason. Mm. Yeah. So I I just started uni. Janelle was already working. She'd started working uh, in the city um, as a sort of secretary, Girl Friday sort of thing. So she was already working and earning, which was good because you know we'd go out for dinner and stuff, and I could get her to pay. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't have much money. We did. Uni student. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we wanted to, when we got married, buy a house. And to buy a house, you've got to be able to get a loan. And to get a loan, we probably needed my income. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even then, back then when we applied for our loan, um, we were engaged but not yet married. Uh, the bank would not consider Janelle's income in contribution towards paying the loan because times were different. I've heard that, yeah. Really? Yeah. So they oh. allowed 25% of my before-tax income yep. to cover the loan and nothing from Janelle. Wow. So they were different times. Yeah. Very different. Mm. Wild. Whereas now they'll take you know, 55% of both your incomes and make yeah. it your problem. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, where did you end up working once you finished civil engineering? Um, so I finished in 87 mm-hmm. and yeah. that was a recession. Yes. And getting jobs in civil engineering was very difficult. Because there wouldn't have been much infrastructure. There wasn't much construction going Mm -hmm. on. There wasn't much money being spent. We're in a recession, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up getting a job as a research and development engineer in metallurgy at a place in uh, Carring Bar. Trying to remember the name of the road. The road that runs up behind Bunnings. I'm going to say Willerong Road. I sure. don't think that's right. Um, but on the so between the railway and and uh, Captain Cook Drive, sure. And the high school's on the left of that road. But yep. down there, there used to be a, a place that made um, hard-facing plates for mining applications. And we, I was employed. They had a process that CSIRO had developed, and they were trying to commercialise. And they had some expensive guy there doing it and they hadn't quite got it working yet and they wanted to cut the budget. So but you'll do. You're now our R&D engineer. <laughs> and would you go and do a master's in metallurgy so that you actually know what you're doing, please? Mm. <laughs> so. And did you? Uh, I stayed six months. Right. I, I really wanted to work in civil engineering. So yeah. I, I took the job because it was a job. Yeah. And it was okay. And it was interesting, but it wasn't what I'd trained to do and it mm. wasn't what I wanted to mm. do. So yeah. Fair enough. Um, I was took the job but I was looking for another job so did you do the finish the masters as well no after six months and I left and I dropped the masters yeah. Okay. Yeah, nice. yeah yeah so I then went from living in Kirawee working in Karingba I then moved in with some uni mates at uh, Waverley mm-hmm. and was commuting back to Karingba which seemed a bit silly <laughs> uh, and then I took a job and I worked in Pimble for three years so then I was way up there and living mm-hmm. in uh, I moved to Kensington. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what, what has it been like then, since then, um, and in that time too, probably, 
uh, was it like being a Christian in an engineering world? Um, you know, it's interesting, I think, today, like, uh, if we go all the way back to then, mm. uh, I think it was more a part of our culture and less left field. Yep. Mm. Um, so, but, I, you know, some people are interested, some people aren't interested, some mm. people, um, you know, will talk about it, some people don't want to, but it wasn't um, adversarial, or adversarial or controversial. Yeah. What's the passion behind civil engineering? Because you said you didn't want to do the metallurgy stuff. Um, I think a lot, you know, a lot of kids when they're getting the year twelve, it's what do I want to do? Yeah. And I, I guess I had a bit of that, but I certainly liked mathematics and sciences. Um, you know, my father is a scientist, uh, but he's not a handyman. Like engineers are often very handy. Yeah. Um, but. I like the idea of more practical application of science, I guess. Not that engineering, well, engineering has a lot of science behind it. Mm. Um, so I thought engineering suited what I wanted to do more than science. And then looking at the engineerings, I thought civil looked like a good one. Mm. Um, the degree is quite diverse. You can do a lot of things. Um, you know, it covers water, traffic, structural, civil uh, and project management. And I think there's another thing I forget. But yeah, so off the back of it, you can do a lot of different things. Mm. So you do a course and then you try and figure out what you want to do with it. Mm. Yeah. Except it was a recession, so there weren't <laughs> so many options. So recession, yeah. recession we had to have. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The, uh, so does that mean that job in Pimble, mm. was that civil? More so down I worked in a, what was called, what would be called a planning consultancy, which is about the the project management planning side of construction. Okay. Um, so I spent most of my time putting together tender programs for mid-tier builders. So you get the drawings and all of that and do the quantity takeoffs and figure out the activities, the duration, the logic. Um, and uh, have you guys used a critical path method? I, know, software, I know a little bit about like it. Like Microsoft yeah. Project? Yeah. yeah. I've seen I've seen it. I haven't used it that much though. So back then... Gantt charts. Yep. Yeah, Gantt charts. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a word I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a word. I know. So back then. It's uh, the first word I've known in the last few sentences. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back then, the only computers that would do the calculations behind those Gantt charts mm. were on mainframes. Yeah, right. Mm. So I would do it all by hand on, on tracing paper, butter paper, mm -hmm. with a pencil. Really? Do all the calcs myself, figure out the dates for everything, do all of that. And when I was happy with it, I would then draw it up more neatly and then I would give it to our draftee and our draftee would do it with pen and sepia paper. Yeah, wow. And then we could run it through the plan printer, <laughs> which is like a big photostat machine, except it uses sepia and chemicals, so it smells like the old photostat machines that yeah. they had at yeah. schools. You might remember those. Maybe. And I don't send know the copies off to the builder. Um, yeah, and I also worked on some live jobs just updating where they're up to and how they were going and what that meant. Um, so, yeah, that was the so first three years. My, my understanding, for example, of a Gantt chart is mm. it's all the different pieces involved in a construction project. Or any project. Yep. Any project. Yep. But we'll do, we'll do construction because yep. it's related to what you're saying. And then it's all the different stages that have to happen. One follows the other, which is why it's called a critical path. Yep. So I've, only, I've probably only seen it on a computer 
So if something changes, which is what the reason, yes. like one of the reasons you have it, is to understand how it affects the critical yep. path. That means that you have to trace the entire thing again. So if you wanted to recalculate all those dates, yeah. you would need to redo the maths. So we, we used to use what was called the jagged line or the tits and bums. So you'd put... <laughs> <laughs> this is what it used to be called, right? So you'd, you'd take the print out of this program with the Gantt chart, yep. all hand-drawn by Vicky, who was our drafty, and you'd put it up on the wall in the site shed. Yep. And at the end of each week, you'd say, yeah, and the time scales across the top, this activity, have we finished? Are we on track? And if we're not, you'd go back because it's behind, and that's a bum, right? Because it's sticking out the back. And then this, this one, oh, we're ahead. So you've got the jagged line or the tits and bums line, and so you would just look at this and go... Are we going all right here, or have we got more bums than? Yeah, and that's so you wouldn't redraw it every week. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I had a senior project manager working with me on the M4 East six years ago, seven years ago, when we produced his program. He printed it out on the plotter, stuck it on the wall, and every week would go and do this on his own wall. Same thing. Yeah. Even though I and my team were putting it in the computer and able to reprint it all. You know, rather than like this, it was like, well, this is what it now says. Yeah, and well, we, he'd still look at that, but this yeah. was his visual cue mm. yeah. as to how am I going. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what we used to do, yeah. I mean, I've only really seen something like that in residential construction mm. yeah. context, which I don't think is it's a little bit more flexible. And what I find interesting is that in a scale, something like even the M4 East, as you were saying, that's, yeah. a, that's a gigantic project. Yep. Billion, billions of dollars. Two and a half. Two and a half billion dollars. Okay. Do you feel if you're in that project planning mm. area, do you feel the pressure to make sure, like, is that difficult? There's certainly a lot of pressure within the team. Um, so I'm, I was the planning manager on that job and that's the role I tend to do these days. And what I say to all my project managers is, I'm the planner, not the achiever. That's your job. Mm -hmm. I can make anything you like work on paper, yeah. but don't give me something you can't do because you've make it, made a commitment. And I'm here to tell you how you're going, mm. but at the end of the day, your team has to do this. Mm -hmm. So the pressure I feel is different to the pressure they feel, like you know, deadlines, timescales, need people on site, need yep. to do this, is the pressure you're talking about in your lighting industry. And Whereas the pressure I'm feeling is I'm the one who has to take this input from 16 project managers and a team of 250 engineers and all the subbies associated with it and get all that into the, the Gantt chart, into the program, mm and make sure all the bits fit together so that come the date for practical completion, we can get our certificate and not have to pay damages for being late to the government. So the yeah. pressure I feel is about making sure we've pulled everything we need into the plan and I'm confident the delivery team is A, committed and B, knows what it takes to deliver that program yeah. and then keeping track of that. So that's yeah. the pressure I feel. Yeah, well. Uh, I could talk about this for ages. As if anyone listens to the Week Away podcast, remember how much we talked about transport infrastructure? We talked about, <laughs> we talked about infra transport infrastructure so much. We did. It was hilarious. Oh, not so much. It was, it was so much. And it was hilarious because I spent the whole time being like, 
Joel, we can't talk about bridges every time we pass a bridge. Because <laughs> I like the bypasses. We yeah, were driving he down got the very coast. excited like by bypasses. He yeah. got very excited by every bypass. And I was talking to people afterwards, and one of the bits of feedback I got was how entertaining the bypass <laughs> conversation was. And I was like, you're kidding me. That was I was trying to stop the bypass conversation every bypass we got to. No, it was that great. Was, that was the tension that made it funny. Yeah, I'd yeah. probably. Actually, probably, probably. probably right. Um, yeah. But no, I think... I think um, yeah, no. This is all. This is all very interesting, well, and it is, and it's all a part of your life. But yeah, go. Sorry, go ask I just can I ask one more question? Of course, you one can. more transport question. What's the <laughs> What's the best project you think you've worked on? Like in working in all these kind of civil engineering jobs, um, what's your favourite project that you worked on? Yeah, I, I kind of say to people, I don't care. We'll build anything. We're there to make money, and that's what construction companies are there for. Yeah. But I think you know. What makes jobs good is it's good to finish on time and make money. That's really good because yes. that creates a, a lot of buoyancy in the team. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're running late and over budget all the time, you're all feeling a bit smashed, right? Stressed yeah. and yeah. Um, and then the people you work with is, you know, who's your boss? Do you get along with your boss? That makes such a huge difference in your quality of life. Yes. Um, and then, you know, how proud are you of the end result? Um, so, for example, if I had worked on, and I didn't, fortunately, um, the casino in Darling Harbour, mm. it was a job that we made a lot of money on, we finished on time, but I wouldn't have been particularly proud of the product. Mm. So, I, I, it, I did a little bit of review work on it, but I wasn't asked to work on it, which was good, because I didn't really want it. Oh, because of the gambling aspect? Because or? of the gambling right. aspect. I think, mm. it's, I think it's a societal problem that we've dealt with poorly and continue to deal with poorly. Mm. I didn't really want to be part of that. Like mm. I wouldn't want to be building a cigarette factory either for mm. the same sorts yeah. of reasons. Yep. But so when you say what's the job that I'm most proud of or that stands out, the answer is Roselle Interchange, which is oh. which I've just finished, yeah, which is right. really topical. Oh, because, people love that. You know, I'm saying you've got to be able to be proud of what you produced. And I've, I mean, I've, these guys, these all-season surfers guys that we see every morning down the beach that don't train with us, but now every day I see them, they're giving me the latest on Roselle Interchange and all how terrible it is. Mm. We, Spaghetti Junction. It's all in good fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. just a bunch of funny old fellas down there. But So am I proud of it? I am. Um, mm. But it's funny, it's been a bit disappointing that the end result has not been seen by uh, Sydney as, mm. oh, what a great thing. Mm. Yeah. And it will be in time because it was built as a connector for Western Harbour Tunnel, not as a connector for... Anzac Bridge, sorry, we're talking about bridges. Right. No, it's and okay. No, we're, until Western about, no, we're not just talking about bridges, we're talking about tunnels. <laughs> we're talking about tunnels. <laughs> and that sounds great. Tunnels. Until Western Harbour opens in 2027, 2028. Which is a harbour cross and, and a new yeah. harbour tunnel yeah. that they're building, aren't they? Yeah, so right, that's, yeah. that connection is just bringing all the traffic to Anzac Bridge quicker, whereas the idea is that 30% of the traffic that goes into that goes on Anzac Bridge and 60 70% goes on Western Harbour Tunnel. And all of a sudden... Happy days, what a great job. Right? Yeah. So yeah. But at the moment that's, it's just that's not been frustrating because it's not, it's created more chaos than it's solved. Mm. And the other thing is this whole um, friable asbestos issue that's arisen, well, yeah. which is in the um, recycled mulch. Yeah. And so, that, so we opened up this beautiful 10 hectares of parkland and at the moment it's shut and we're pulling all the, asbest- uh, all the mulch out of it, yeah. which has got minute traces of asbestos. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I did know good. that, actually. They're mm. now doing an audit of all the places, the transport jobs and government jobs, where mm. this organic mulch, has, oh, sorry, recycled mulch has been used, yeah. 
and they've already found it in at least half a dozen other sites around Sydney. Of course, they and have. another one was on the news this morning as yep. and tests here have confirmed it. So it was just that, yeah, yeah. they they just got whatever was in the ground and chucked it in the mulcher and then put that over the park. It's not quite that bad, but yeah, yeah there's yeah. traces. But unfortunately, yeah, yeah, there was there was, there was traces. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's good. Yeah, you know, there's two things at the end of that job where we're really proud of the achievement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the team was great. My boss was great. All of those things. Um, and we finished early and we made money. So it ticks all the boxes. And I'm very proud of the result. Mm. It's just that the result is currently, in my view, misunderstood. Yes. Um, and you know, it'll get better in mm. three or four years, and everyone will love it. Yeah. yeah to satisfy our audience, I yeah. want to ask another question. But more, how do you, because you always hear about the jobs, like big jobs like mm. that, mm-hmm. that don't finish on time yep. and, co- and blow out the budget and things yep. like that. What is the difference, do you think, between a job that is delayed like that? What's, a, what's the biggest differentiator between a job that finishes on time, like you're saying, with the Roselle interchange yep. and projects that blow out massively? Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, they talk about projects blowing out and... If you ask some people, they'll say Roselle Interchange, the, the timeline and the budget blew out. Because when you look at the life cycle of one of these projects, it starts with the government thinking they might build it and finishes with us finishing building it. So there's, we spent 58 months building it on contract, fixed price contract. But before that 58 months commenced, there was five years of development and procurement by the state. Yep. So that five years of development and procurement by the state was originally planned to be probably about three years. Yep. So there was a two-year roughly blowout in that period. Then we got our contract and we did complete our contract on time. We didn't blow out. So when I say on time, on time for me is the, my the, company signed a contract. Agreed time in the contract. We finished by the date for completion in the yep. contract. Yeah. Um, but so what makes the difference in my world is that piece. Mm. What makes the difference in that front bit is a different question. To the government. And <laughs> I'll let the government answer that yep. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, it has somewhat to do with how well you understand the job when you put your price and program in because if you bid it too short or you bid it too cheap it gets very hard to make money and finish in time so bidding it well is important and then they are big and complex so and you know when you're spending Roselle was um, four billion dollars so that's a lot of money to be spent um, and we had a staff of, I don't know, I think we peaked at about 700 mm. on the project. So there's a lot of people with devolved responsibility to do each individual bit, and they all need to come together. So, um, you know, the program needs to capture all of that. So having that good plan of how it all comes together and then having each individual and each team understanding clearly what they need to do by when because someone else then needs to go into that same bit of land or go and you know put lights in in your case and then energize it commission it yeah um, all of that so the interfaces between the teams if they're not well managed or not well understood the wheels can fall off very quickly Mm. so on roselle it's the best i've seen in any of the projects i've been on in managing the interfaces between the teams and creating clear accountability and understanding what those interfaces are. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's cool. That's mm. cool you managed to achieve that. Because you were part the of team. the team to achieve. The team. Yeah. yeah. But you were part of the team that yeah, achieved absolutely. that. So yeah. that's really that's really cool yeah. to hear. That's the best 
that you've experienced. So that's yep. that's fun to hear. Yep. It's unreal. Yeah. I could talk about more of this for, for, for a while, but in, in, in interest of keeping Ethan awake, tell us about your family. Because so you and Janelle got married. Yes, we got married in uh, 17, no, yeah, I'm going to get it wrong now, 25th of August, 1990. Okay. Which is really useful. Anyone who's thinking of getting married, if you get married on a zero year, yeah, it's, definitely it's very mm. easy to keep track of how long you've been married. So we'll be 20, 34 years this year. That's very convenient. Yeah. Um, Should have done that. Bought a house in <laughs> Oyster Bay. Oh, Easter Bay, okay. Uh, which we've since moved out of. Had our first two kids in there in 95 and 96, my eldest daughter and then my son. And then we moved to First Avenue Ginali, just around the corner from Ginali Anglican. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've been there ever since. And my youngest daughter, who was born in 99, was born when we were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I think you live in the same street some other people go to our Yeah, church. they live in Leaflock. That's the name of their house. It yep. has a name. Yep. Yes. Tim Narona. Two-storey, yep. lots of vegetation. Yep. Narrow driveway, small carport. That's right. The lady used to drive us, ride a scooter. They did. I they haven't did seen the scooter for a while. No, I think, I think, the I think they've got rid of that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think they needed more space. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. something that we always ask um, people, their parents that come on the podcast is, what has God taught you about being a father? Like, sorry, taught you through being a father. That's mm. what I should say. What has God taught me through being a father? Um, hadn't really thought about that, hmm. as you can tell. That's okay. Uh, I'm glad I let if, if ask a good question. <laughs> if you'd asked, what's my model of parenting? which is a question I can answer. Can start I answer with that? Can start I answer with that. that question? Let's, yeah, let's start it. there because I can it. actually talk about that one. Yeah. Yeah, my model of parenting, I think all of our models of parenting come somewhat from our own parents mm. and we'll see some things we liked and maybe some things we didn't. Yep. Tr- maybe avoid those and, and prefer those. Um, but from when our kids were born, Janelle and I adopted a, uh, a strategy that says... Our job as parents is to take our you know, kids, babies, infants, from being fully dependent on us to being capable of being fully independent by the age of about 16. Yeah. And capable of is, is an important part of that because we weren't going to kick them out, but mm. should they need to be independent, they yeah. could be. Yeah. 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 So that's, that was our model for parenting. Mm. Um, did God teach me that? I don't know. Did you succeed in that in that strategy? Well, none of them none of them had to be fully independent by sixteen. But um, yes, I think they're all capable of being fully independent. Jonathan got married December twenty twenty two, so he is now fully independent. <laughs> but, you know, with his own wife in his own place. And Emily got married twelfth of December twelfth of January this year, so very recently. Oh yeah, yes. your wife works with. Oh sorry, your daughter works with my wife. Oh, it's your wife who's down there. They We're did, her, they did, but yeah. she's moving down the coast now. Is that she's, correct? Yeah, her and her husband have rented at Winuna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her husband's working still at mm. Hurstville, so they've mm. split the commute. Yeah. yeah. Well, whereas your wife lives at Kirawee. Yeah, we live at Kirawee. Which means you live at Kirawee. I, I do as well, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, me and my current wife. And <laughs> what's your wife's role down there at Shell Harbour? Uh, no, no, she's at Shire Christian School. Uh, it's not Shire, uh, it's St George Christian School. Oh, Sorry. right, okay, yes. So, so they, they there's someone together. from Solis that works at Shell Arbor as well who lives yes, in Kirawee. That's Liam, that's Liam yeah, I think, okay. yes. There's yeah. quite a few, there's quite a few teachers in yeah, many different yeah, yeah. Christian schools. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting confused. And my eldest is working full-time, 
still living at home. Oh, okay. But if so we kicked her out, she'd be all right. So you got three? Because yeah. I think you only said two. Oh, because you had two at two when you were at Oyster two Bay. Two Bay and one when we moved to Jindalee. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So do you have any more answers for what do you think God has taught you through mm. being a father? Um, I think, the, the, well, the biggest difference in their upbringing to my upbringing is that it's been in a, in a, a faith-based household. Um, and yes, I agree with that. Uh, I, I remember when our kids were, you know, well, they were, they were young, I can't remember how young, but, um, you know, I was quite busy with ministry and leading Bible studies and going to Bible studies and other things and Janelle was at home with the kids and one of the things that one of the, the guys, the older guys, that's, uh, I think he's passed away now, Warren, said to me is, um, you know, part of your ministry is to bring your kids up in the Christian faith. Mm. Don't lose sight of that. If you're doing too much and you're not at home enough, that's not what God really wants from you either. Mm. I mean, we've all got to make our own balance there, but I do remember at that time deliberately withdrawing from some of the things I was doing to spend more time at home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the other, the other thing that, that, and I think you weren't brought up in a Christian household either no. from memory, so. No, that's right. The other thing that I was very conscious of is you know, I said before, how did you become a Christian? I said, same way as everyone else. <laughs> what circumstances in your life? And a lot of the people who come on your podcast grew up in a faith-based household and the circumstances that led them to make it personal for themselves was an evolution and, and maybe they can't quite put a point on it. And my kids are probably like that, right? But what was important to me is that they needed to own it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That they shouldn't just do it because I did it and their mother did it, but that it was their choice and their decision to give them that freedom to think whatever they felt they wanted to think and talk about that. Um, so, you know, Christianity isn't, uh, it's, it's got to be owned by you, not just your culture. Mm. So that's something that I think, I don't know if God taught me that, but that's something that I, I feel strongly about and, a lot of people get upset because I tell my kids they're brainwashed Christians because they were, they were imbibed in Christianity from birth. Mm. So effectively, my wife and I just brainwashed them. <laughs> but, because that's, and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's, that's what Christian families do, right? Yeah. But what's important is that you give them the chance to own it. Yeah. And then they're not brainwashed Christians. They're um, sentient people who have chosen and been called by the Spirit into salvation and into that relationship with God. And I, and I think that echoes a lot of the people that have come on the podcast that did grow up in a mm. Christian home. Is yeah, it? they, well, they talk they about all, they're all, There's point. always a moment when they yeah. have to take it on for themselves yeah. and not just go, oh, it's what my family believes. Yeah. And, and, when, and yeah. when, like, for, as, as, as that person, mm. uh, part of when I give my testimony, I will say that there was a conversation that I had with someone and that person was without these words was saying Ethan you're just a brainwashed Christian <laughs> and and fully it was that yeah, it was that yeah. conversation right yeah. and it was me being like oh actually am I like yeah. is that is that actually what my faith is is it just because yeah. of x y and z and I had to go away and really think about that and really figure it out and really come to the point of yeah. like it actually kind of the same conclusion that you had which is yeah. it's actually great that 
that that's yeah. why I'm a Christian. Like, it's not that I am brainwashed. Yeah. It's but but God wouldn't have done it in any other way. Um, mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. There was a, a famous philosopher, and I can his name begins with D. I can never remember the name of this philosopher. That I think it was the 15th century. Descartes. 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 French Descartes. Yeah. Descartes. yeah. yeah. I. I think therefore I am was yeah. his yeah. big yeah, thing yeah. Yeah. and it was a flip of the time because the the Christian church in the western world was I am therefore I think. Yeah. And what you're talking about is as a as a Christian in today's society you're the brainwashed Christian I am therefore I think mm. becoming mm. I think therefore I am. Mm. And to yeah. me that's a really important step because mm. it's when salvation becomes uh, personal and mm. owned by you. Now for me it was a very clear moment and a very f- clear change in my life. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any, you know, more significant than your story. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a big part of the Reformation too, isn't it? Mm. It's that no longer are we part of these kingdoms or whatever that believe a particular mm. religion and then therefore I'm Catholic or I'm this or I'm that, whatever it was. Yep. It was yep. The Reformation was no, you've got to take the, yep. the faith on for yourself totally. and that's what it's about. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, almost like a, to return to the time of Acts. Yeah. For example, was it? Yeah. Obviously, it's a different time in history. It's a similar thing, isn't it? Of like, no, you need to take on this faith for yourself because because the am therefore I, th- I, I am therefore I think was about Judaism or whatever your culture was. There was no yep. institutionalized Christian culture. Yes. And you know, the Catholic Church institutionalized the Christian culture for centuries. Mm. Yeah. Is that bad or good? It just is, right? But yeah, yeah. I like it how we went down, yeah, down the road of you down the Descartes road. Yeah, that's fun. Did your civil engineer that right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you just didn't mention though, uh, realizing that you needed to step back a little bit, maybe for your family mm. and doing that sort of stuff. But what might that made me think is that tell us about leadership and ministry at MCC because we haven't really touched on that yet what, so, like when you when you first started coming what ministry did you get involved in how did that evolve over time uh, I think the, besides going to the youth group um, the first ministry I got involved in was being a Sunday school teacher okay oh, cool so the irony is the first time I went to Sunday school I was the teacher teaching <laughs> <laughs> so, and to me yeah the bible stories that you teach Sunday school I guess I, you know, I've probably heard of Noah's Ark and, mm. and you mm. know, Samson in the lion's den, but you know, just just the big hitters, you know. Yeah. So to me, a lot of that was new to me, you know. Mm. So that was that was good. And you like learning the Bible at the same time, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and then um, the, the we what we do? Did we call them home groups? I can't remember what we called them back then, but Bible studies, yeah, or Bible, some whatever, sort of yep. Bible study type thing. So involved in leading those quite a bit. Um, they're probably the two main things. When I was about, I'm going to say 25, I did become a deacon here for, I think we, we have a two-year term. You get a little, you know, it's like the Senate. You're on for two years, but half get re-elected every year. Oh, okay. I think that's how it runs. So I was a deacon for a short period of time um, as a young person, which was good that at 25 I was kind of welcomed in there. That's cool. Mm. Can't remember whether I did one or two stints, but... Um, and then it's ironic that I said I pulled back from ministry to spend more time at home, mm. and then my work started taking me away from home regularly, so I dropped out of being a deacon and was more of a Sunday weekend person mm. because I spent many years, Monday to Friday, working in another city. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, from 
pretty much uh, just after Emily was born through till 2015, so that's 15 years, I probably spent eight or nine years not working in Sydney but living in Sydney. So, so you're like flying out? Out Monday the back Friday or out Tuesday back Thursday. Really? What place? Where, like, so other capital cities I'm guessing? Uh, mainly, so um, Melbourne, Brisbane predominantly, Perth a bit, Darwin a bit and uh, you know, then just going remote places a little bit. Yeah. What did you do to, with that being your lifestyle, what did you do to counter uh, the possible negative effects that could have come with being distanced from church or from family or um, from either one? So it's not uncommon for civil engineers in construction no. project management to be relocating their families. Totally. And Janelle and I spoke about whether we'd do that. And at one point we did talk about moving to Adelaide, but mm. we didn't win that job. But then once we started having kids, we decided, no, we want to uh, remain integral in this church as members and, and participating members. And we want to bring our kids up here because the church is here, Janelle's family is here, my family is here, mm. our friendship circle is here. Mm. Um, so we consciously decided that we would not relocate. And I sought a role within a construction company that meant I wasn't going to be asked to just move around, that I was able to be saying, yeah, I'll go and do that, but you've got to fly me up and fly me back. So I'd be, you know, initially when I first started doing that, I'd, I'd be out the door 6am Monday morning and back at 9.30pm Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for four years probably, mm-hmm. on and off. Not, not quite the full four years, but probably three out of that four years. Yep. And then, and then they asked me to go up to Brisbane for a, a tunnel tender mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. run the planning on that tunnel tender. And I figured out by then that employee, uh, big companies, mm. generally speaking, will take as much as you give, ask for more and not say much thanks. I mean, mm. they pay you, right? Let's well, be yeah. clear, they do that pay is, you. Is, yeah. So I just said to my, my boss, yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy to do that, but I'm only prepared to go up three days a week. I'm, I'm fine to work on the tender five days a week. I only got three days a week and I need a person to do this and a person to do this and a person to do this. And to my surprise, they said, okay. Mm. So since that time, and that would have been 2004 probably, okay. I've taken that approach to, to working remote is to figure out what I think I can make work with having enough time at home to be with mm. wife and kids and making sure I'm here on the weekend. Uh, and if they say no, then well, I haven't said no yet. If they say no, I'll have to decide yeah. whether or not I'm going to refuse or whatever. Yep. Yeah. You must have some uh, frequent flight points. I used to. I spent them all. Oh, did you? <laughs> you, you racked them up and then spent them all? Because my, my father and my brother both live in Perth and have for the last 25 years, oh. um, the best use of frequent flyer points is a Perth trip because it's quite a long-haul flight domestically. Mm. And the the points are not that high compared to like compared to Melbourne, it's twelve thousand points. Perth's eighteen thousand. Mm-hmm. The fare is three times as much. Mm. So Vegan. we would. Oh, you've you done know, the maths. Particularly when I was working in Perth, we'd fly the family over regularly because yeah, nice. they'd just come over and meet me there, and then I didn't have to worry about the little kids on the plane. Just yeah, Janelle awesome. can look after that. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll tell you stories about when the kids were really young. And Christmas holidays used to be, oh, Daddy's got an apartment in Melbourne or wherever it is. Yep. You know, go and stay in my apartment and have a great holiday. Yeah, awesome. And I'd not, to get, not get to spend a week at home, which yep. was good for them. I probably would have preferred to come home. But they were yeah. still good times. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah of course. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, right. Uh, being a deacon, 
Mm-hmm. What does uh, that mean in the congregational church? Well, it's an elected representative. I think for the Anglicans, your wardens are your elected reps. Uh, you yes. have yes, two one elected and one one captain. Captain's call, correct. Below, which uh, is that's right. But we've also, wins, but we've also like. in soul revival, we also have a structure of three more elected representatives yep. on top of the, as well as the wardens. Right. Yep. Is that the parish council? Yep. Yep. Okay. So you've got Leone, Hayden, and Adam. 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 Yes. Are there are wardens. Wardens. Yep. So who is your parish council? Amanda, Kim, and Wang. Yep. Is that right? Yep. yep. Is Wang Rideman? Yes. Yes. Yep. He's from so I met Wang. Yep. yep. I don't recall meeting Amanda and Kim, but I may have. That's all right. Yeah, okay. We'll make sure you do at some point. Okay, yep. I have will. picked up that the parish council was elected. Yeah, they're elected as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So That's the question was, oh, the deacons. Is it any different yes. in, yeah, because um, yeah. I've only ever been part of an Anglican church. Yeah, so, so, you know, we've been obviously having this friendship with Solis and, and mm. Stu is currently our interim senior pastor, as you mm. guys know, so... You know, through interacting with Stu and, and your wardens particularly, um, I've been learning about the Anglican system just like yeah, you've right. been <laughs> learning about the congregational system mm-hmm. because, you know, I've only ever been to a congregational church. Mm-hmm. I've only ever been a member of a congregational church. Um, so uh, congregationalism, uh, central tenet is the right of self-government of ev- every individual church. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas the Anglicans... I can't, I'll tell you what I think, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's right, Mr That's Douglas, right. Ashley Douglas will probably tell you better. <laughs> um, you know, as I understand it, the, sen- the senior pastor is appointed by the bishop mm-hmm. and he is the elder, the one elder of your church, mm-hmm. which means he has responsibility for the spiritual health and well-being of your church. Mm-hmm. So in the congregational church, the members meeting uh, makes the call um, and we used to only have deacons in our constitution and the deacons would look after finance, property, admin and spiritual health. Mm-hmm. So the, the senior pastor would effectively report to the leadership team, the deacons, yep. but ultimately the decision-making authority rests with the, the um, members meeting. Yep. Mm. Um, and how regularly would a men- members meeting happen? So the constitution says... Uh, best endeavours every two months. Okay. We're probably running five to six a year at the moment. Sure. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty close. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's close. Sort of, you know, November to mm. February and yeah. whatever. Yeah, Plus an AGM on top of that, which is basically yeah, AGM counts. followed by a members meeting yeah. when we have that. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. Yeah. And one of the reasons that you're obviously on this podcast is because of the, the relationship that we have mm. with you now. You said that... Um, correctly, <laughs> that Stu is the interim senior pastor yep. at this point in time. Can you just tell me about how that's been going for you personally, mm. but also just, you know, as if you've seen any differences with your church and our church and yeah, yeah. really just to talk about the, the friendship that we have now that we've yeah, established um, over the last few months. So having been on, on the leadership team for the last five years, um, you know, Miranda Congregational Church is you know, still quite a healthy congregation, but we're struggling to maintain the generational spread. Mm-hmm. And that's of great concern because you know, the gospel isn't... It's, it's about you know, being 
brought into relationship with God and brought into relationship with each other, but it's also about bringing more people into relationship. Right. And if we're maintaining or losing ground through uh, people looking for a church that has more of the demographic or through our, um, our more senior population um, you know, uh, passing away from time to time, then are we fulfilling the Great Commission? Um, are we being good stewards of all that we have here at Miranda, which is you know, pretty good facility, pretty good location, um, and if we're just doing it for ourselves as an internal audience, and our people don't feel that's, that's their mission, they want to do it for, for the Great Commission. So, But we haven't seen a lot of fruit in that regard, so we've been talking in my five years and I think even prior to my time with the leadership team about what are the strategies we should be adopting to fulfil on what we've been given stewardship of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we commenced a um, city-to-city consultancy mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Yep. Maybe, maybe a year, year to a year and a half ago um, about how to try and tackle that because they've obviously got a lot of experience with, with that. Um, so who's, who's city-to-city just for... Uh, do you know who City to City are? I get you might be able to explain a little better bit. than me. No, they no. Came out of Geneva Push, yeah. And they're looking at. Well, you want to, you want to give a spiel because I'll, I'll like Google you know it. I'll, me, Google it. Google I'll Google it. it. I'll have a crack. Yeah, you go, have a crack and see, and I'll <laughs> see if I can fact check it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I think they came out of I'm going to say Brooklyn in the US, and they had uh, an effective evangelistic type mission, but. They recognised, I think, from what I understand, that to be a healthy, growing church, there was value in the existing churches that were in somewhat decline, a bit like Miranda, mm-hmm. um, and like many, many um, churches around the Western world, to, to, to have them strong so that all these people being saved into the faith mm-hmm. had places where there were mature Christians that would walk with them mm. so yeah. they went from being purely evangelistic church planting to both evangelistic church planting and strengthening existing churches to create a, a holistic ecosystem to, to bring you know people who are being saved into did i do all right yeah nailed it uh, uh yeah, we we job. do all of that yeah. that was just said yeah. uh, by training and equi- i say we do because i'm reading their website yeah. <laughs> we do this by training and equipping leaders developing and supporting unity movements. So it's that idea of we're helping bind churches together uh, and we're developing and training uh, people within the churches. It's very cool. So we were here at Miranda working with city to city on how to do that. Mm. We didn't have a a pastor in the church at the time. Um, And the advice that city to city gave besides writing a a nice report on SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, which is basically giving us a good hard look in the mirror, right? Which was good, Mm. um, healthy. Mm. When I say it was good, it was good to do and it was healthy to do and healthy to get that perspective of city to city that have been doing that multiple times in multiple places. Um, So their advice fundamentally was uh, get yourself an interim pastor so you can focus on what your strategy and vision is mm. at a outline level, yep. uh, whilst the interim pastor kind of focuses on just keeping the wheels turning, standing up here each Sunday, doing mm. all that sort of stuff and providing some pastoral care, uh, et cetera, et cetera, so that the leadership team and city to city could focus on that piece. And then 
before we put a call out, being able to say, you know, here's who we are, here's what we've got, and here's where we see God is calling this church to be. Awesome. Rather than, oh, yeah, we're a church in Miranda. We've got, um, you know, 80 members and 120 people that, that come from time to time and uh, just come along. Mm. It's quite a different value proposition. Yeah. And I, my view is if we're putting a call out, the first one will uh, attract one sort of senior pastor and the second one will attract a different sort of senior pastor. True. One that wants to partner with this group of believers in that vision and that strategy or some version of it. So that's where we got to with City to City uh, probably six months ago, I guess, uh, maybe a bit more. And we put together a nominating committee, as you'd call it, or a pastoral search committee, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started looking to appoint an interim pastor. And at the same time, uh, a couple of our deacons were uh, talking with Stu Crawshaw, I think off the back of a guy called um, Linton Speechley, who's a Solis guy, mm-hmm. who used to come here with his wife, mm-hmm. um, about what they were doing. And the conversation flowed to the point where we were able to call Stu to be our interim pastor, <laughs> which was pretty left field for a congregational church to have a, a serving senior pastor for Soul Revival and Anglican Church, mm. <laughs> also be interim pastor here. So you know, the grace of God in working through different denominations, but hey, we're all the same evangelical um, style of, yeah. of church, yeah. was, was fantastic. And so where we are today mm. is we, we had intended prior to appointing an interim pastor to continue with that, that strategy and visioning process with city to city, but the friendship with Solis Stu and the team at Solis have really pulled their lifeboat, their their boat alongside, or their lifeboat alongside us, mm. to provide much more than the interim pastor type support we were looking for. So, um, through the generosity of Solis, we've had um, some support with our Friday night youth group, mm. which is still running quite strong, mainly with families that actually never turn up here on a Sunday, <laughs> um, and some of the the families who do have kids send theirs, but yeah. most of the kids there are, and families are not part of this church. Yeah. Um, and some assistance with that visioning and um, governance structure and uh, strategy piece. Strategy, Which yeah. is really, you know, Stu kind of says, here's a smorgasbord of stuff Soli's doing, and, and anyone who knows Stu knows that he's much more broadly versed in um, theology and strategy. Mm-hmm. So he's not saying, here's the model, this is what you should do. He's saying, here's what we do, here's what I see in your church, and here's some other things that I see out there, and here's what city because Stu is actually city to city consultant trained. Yes, yep. Here's the sort of approach city to city yeah. use. Um, so we've kind of had the city to city input without using the city to city people we engage, but using Stu and Stu's been talking to to our city to city consultant directly as well. Yep. So that's where we're at at the moment. Um, you know, we've got a friendship that runs for uh, six months with Stu as interim pastor. Mm-hmm. That runs out at uh, basically Easter, mm-hmm. just after Easter. Mm-hmm. So we're just getting to the point where we're saying, well, what's next? Yeah. What, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Can I ask, uh, what's the thing that uh, you've enjoyed the most about the partnership? Um, yeah, I, one of the things that I really, you know, I've, Stu's made me cry a few times with the love he's shown um, both my family and this church. Mm. Um, so the, the pastoral care that he's shown has been uh, not just to me, but to many in our church, overwhelming. He has a real pastor's heart. 
Um, so that's that's one thing. What was the question, sorry? Oh, just what you've enjoyed yeah. the most about so that, establishing yes. and continuing the relationship. Yeah. Um, the other thing that um, is really evident in Stu and the Soul Revival ethos is is we're saved into community of believers and we mm. want to have fun as a community. Like <laughs> that's really evident. Um, yep. And I, wouldn't, I, I would say that MCC, you know, would say, yeah, yeah, we get all that, but it's not as evident in our culture because, well, I'm not sure why because, but, you know, we've been struggling to figure out how to keep this church growing and we kind of get lost in the, the strategy and the thinking and not stop to have the joy as much. And I've seen the way your leadership team operates, your pastoral team operates. Um, you know, it's, it's not that you don't care about um, strategy and missionary goals and discipleship goals. You do. Mm-hmm. But you do it in a way that is very joyful. Mm. So seeing that as a very attractive model. Um, and, you know, I've seen in our congregation the joy they're getting from that infectious approach. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't, I mean, some of the other pastoral team have spent more time here at MCC. I've, I've only really been here when we've been here on Fridays and mm-hmm. seeing you and some other people like Kim yep. being involved with that. But uh, sometimes I think I'm a bit protectionist in a sense of, when we first started talking about, oh, what does that mean for us? And probably yeah. being selfish, like, what does that mean for me? And yeah. what's that going to do? But I think one of the other things that Stu really broadens my mind is like, what could it, what could it actually be? Mm. And I can see, I think that's what maybe what part of what you're saying there is that we can see like this could be a lo- like a really long-term fruitful mm. friendship to grow the gospel together. And I think that's where, I think, I mean, I, the impression that when you've come you and your team have come to council meetings is the same thing it's just like your heart your guy's heart is to just grow your church yep and we're just working out how to do that i feel like that's the the cool part about it is that you really are actually really gospel minded and heart and that is your heart to do that and that's obviously probably one of the wise one of the reasons why you guys being so open to maybe changing a few different things as you discuss those yep. things, is that's why it's, you see it's starting to infect. <laughs> you said it being infectious, some of that joy is coming yeah, yeah. coming to the fore, which is really, really lovely. Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a joy in serving rather than a, an obligation. Is, is, yeah. you know, and Stu, and is, that's, that's the culture he tries to create and leads. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah. I think it's one of the big things that appealed to me, like when, for example, me becoming a Christian was it had a big impact on me is that oh, being a Christian isn't boring. <laughs> being a Christian is there's lots of joy. And that's what yeah. I think that was one of the things that made me realize, oh, actually, there is so much to this, to the gospel, and not just reading the Bible and saying, yes, I believe in God. I kind of think there's a lot more to that. So I can understand yeah, what you're saying. It's that. the difference between being saved to go to heaven and being saved to be in fellowship now with fellow believers. Mm. And in the knowledge because the of now is quite a long time, right? Yeah. 
not compared to eternity, I guess, but, you know, I can't really grasp the concept of eternity at this stage. I think yes. I probably need to get into that next dimension before we can get a hold of that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I can't, yeah, it's hard for me to grasp that too. Before we ask the final question, Ethan, you got anything to oh, add in there? The only, the only thing to add there is that it's heaps of fun. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think one of the ways to look at it could have been, oh, this is really hard. Like, we need Stu to come in and... And fix it, fix it, and, or not fix it, but just help us like st- stay afloat because we're sinking and it's hard or mm. whatever. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I, I'm just trying to insert an example of a negative <laughs> way of speaking could have been, mm. but instead it's been let's do this, let's have some fun doing this, and do it together. And let's do it together. Yeah, and that's been really joyful and really fun and really exciting, and um, and it hasn't been difficult. Like I don't know, like. I think it's been just really lovely and mm. um, really beautiful because everyone is working together and is and everyone is really joyful in it. Um, and so yeah, so it's been really it's been really lovely. Mm. That's been my thoughts. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think last thing on that, I suppose, is just that, like the openness. I think that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, is that sometimes there's, a, I suppose, in other years experience over the years with soul revival is that sometimes people have been very resistant to even talking about it. Like not, we don't. I, I think we just. I think we do say that we do church a little bit differently, but we're like this is how we've chosen to do it. Mm. We'd l- we're so passionate, excited about. It, we want to tell you about it, but you don't have to do it. Mm. That that's mm. the other thing. Mm. And I think the openness to just talk about it and listen to each other. Yeah, with Miranda has been something that I've really observed within both leadership teams. I think that's what's exciting as well. Yeah. Anyway, final question. We've talked a lot of a lot of your history, including transport infrastructure, which I might have to hit you up uh, after the podcast. <laughs> but mm. looking over mm. all those years, even going to the US, getting caught stealing, what do you think you would tell what you know now? What would you tell your younger Christian self? I think the the biggest thing for me is, you know, I was here. I've been here for. What am I, 58? I was 15, so <laughs> what's that, 42 years? Is that right, Ethan? Oh, no, don't ask me about <laughs> questions. What did you say? Sorry, 50? I've been 42. I'm 58 years old. At 58. So 15, so it's 42 years. I've been here for 42 years in this okay. church, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, when I was here as a, as a late teen and young adult and newlywed, there was a, a very dynamic ecosystem that was, th- you know, thriving in its own way and was covering you know all our generations that we have here and I guess I took it for granted mm. and it's really only you know in the last you know five years having come back onto the leadership team that I realized that this there was some people making deliberate efforts around that with some sort of strategy and practice that must have existed I don't think it was by accident and I can, I can certainly think about one of our previous senior pastors who came in with a strategy and practice. Um, but we, we kind of lost sight of that at some point and went to just doing the things we do. Mm. Yep. So, you know, and I was, I was you, know, at, you know, in my probably 30s or 40s at the time, is not recognising that possibly because I was off working, you know, too many different places to, to stick my oar in on anything. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, 
we missed out on some potential years of of continuing to grow the work here rather than being you know more stagnant than growing it was probably you know not not shrinking too much not growing too much but not really you know so i think to me to have recognized and decided to get involved earlier um, you know, I said, I said I've been on the leadership team five years now, but I've been working exclusively in Sydney for eight years. So maybe I could have easily done that three years earlier. I didn't. Um, and maybe I could have found a way to do it even earlier, despite, you know, working interstate, mainly Monday to Friday or Tuesday to Thursday or something. Mm. Yeah. So you'd say kind of just paying attention more yeah, where, the church, where the church is going. Taking for granted the, right. that it'll always be here, it'll always be good. Yeah. You know? Whereas yeah. it does take. You know, I'm sure even at Soli's it takes constant attention to to make sure it's staying relevant, it's evolving. Um, you know, you're learning from the things you're doing and improving them, not just taking for granted the cookie mm. cutter that you, it's not a cookie cutter that you just say, that's it, that's all we need to do, it's set and forget. The church will be the same for forever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think I've recognised that in the last five years and... Mm. The, the six months that we've been talking with Solis and the four months we've had our friendship, um, it's given me the hindsight to see that we that we hadn't paid enough attention to that mm. um, in this church, mm. I think. Yeah, I think that's mm. fair enough. I think that shows your... What it really reveals is your love for this church. Mm. And obviously it's had a big impact on you mm. for many, many years, as you've said, but also then... You know, you also had the focus of going, I need to, you talked about before, like I need to take a s- step back from church because my family is, mm. your family is like your first, in in a sense as a father, is it's your number one ministry. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you, and then obviously you still got to work, support your family. So you took the job, you had to travel and things like that. So you can understand why that happened. But then to see that you're like, this is the church that I really love yeah. and I want to, Impact yeah. in a way to can, can keep it continuing. I think that's. It's a big deal. I think that's a good sign of humility as well. Yeah, mm. it is. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, on the structural stuff, I think uh, we can really easily, when something is institutionalized, just sit in that institution, uh, and it's like our nature as humans. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, just, just be comfortable. Yeah, and, mm. and it is comfortable, and that's mm. okay. Mm. Like, that's fine. But uh, there is something really important about being able to continually work on something, yeah. continually tr- ch- be, be willing to change and shift. Uh, and that is not an easy thing to do, uh, but it is something that, yeah, we've tried to do, and, um, yeah, hopefully we can be helping you guys do, and I think that's really cool. Mm. We may as well wrap it up, but okay. it's, been, it's been really great. Having yeah, you on the to podcast, get to know you both a bit better. very cool. Yeah, well, we've got to know you a lot as yeah. well. It's just really <laughs> great. Yeah, and like I said, we'll uh, we'll, we'll chat about infrastructure for many many hours offline, offline. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I suppose I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being the first random congregational church member to come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's been really cool. Me. Thank you. I mean, it's awesome. This is why we do this podcast, That's just it. to hear people's stories. That's it. So yeah, again, thank you very much. And as always, uh, we finish with one way. Are you aware of the one way? Is it like this thing? No, that's the no, shuckers. That's the shuckers. Oh, okay. And one way is that. Yes. Uh, and you explain. I always explain. You explain. It is a thing that has been happening since for for a long time now. Um, and uh, 
Stu likes to bring it back to Larry Norman. I was going to say, I thought it was a Larry mm. Norman. Yeah, thing. it's yeah. a Larry Norman thing. When he was, uh, he'd finish a gig uh, and everyone would clap and he would say, no, don't clap for me. And he'd point up and yep. he'd say, yep. uh, and then there's lots of other iterations of, of one way over the years. But um, but yeah, and so as a, as a little thing, we like to end with a, with a one way. So we do this. We yeah. do that. One, one way. way. One way. <laughs> Thanks, man.